1: This is Jesse Bates the third with the Atlanta Falcons. And this is the NFL Report.
2: Welcome into the NFL Report. When you're a guest on the NFL Report, you know what it gives you, Steve? It gives you another pick the next week. Jesse Bates with another interception for those Falcons as they take down the Jets. How about that? We have a Monster Monday for you. Stacey Dales was in that locker room at Lincoln Financial Field, the visiting locker room for the San Francisco 49ers getting their revenge, as we've all talked about it this offseason. Also, Bridget Condon will join us as she talks about the Rams potentially being not just a playoff team, but a potential threat if they get into the postseason. Also, it's a Monday, so it's a Jeff Chidea first read Monday. We're going to have a lot of okay, MVP okay. talk. Two MVP contenders, Steve, in the conversation. We're at Lincoln Financial Field, and one of them thrived. Roll it, LC.
0: First and 10 Niners in the Philly 48. Purdy looks left, now middle, throws caught. Broken tackle by Debo Samuel. Runs for the first down, 30,
2: 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown!
3: Debo Samuel. Debo actually was going Debo, J.P. That was the voice of Greg Papa, the voice of the 49ers, and that sets up our favorite Monday staple, and that is bigger news. J.P., is the bigger news Brock Purdy knows Niners going to Philadelphia to get revenge for that NFC Championship game loss? Or did it come at Lambeau Field when Jordan Love exacted revenge on the Kansas City Chiefs? who made his mom sit in the upper rafters at his first start a couple of years ago in <laughs> KC.
2: I will tell you a couple of things about Jordan Love and why that is important about Arrowhead. That's called a small tease. But also, I will tell you and start off with the 49ers win is bigger news. Because it was in conference, these are the top two teams vying for that lone buy and that number one overall seed, the Eagles were in control of it, and that takes a hit with the 49ers going in and playing the way they played. But I bring that up, Steve, playing the way they played, because I think that's the biggest part of this, the statement that they made all off-season with what happened in the NFC Championship game and not having any quarterbacks. I believe was perceived as almost bitterness from Debo Samuel Super Bowl week all the way through the off season. And it was almost like the Niners are bitter after they went out and did that. It's almost like, no, the Niners were confident and now they have every reason to be extremely confident. And I think if you're in that locker room with the San Francisco 49ers, you're right now sitting there going, you know what? If they don't get the number one seed and we have to go back to the link, we took care of business once already there this year. That's no problem. If they have to come to Levi Stadium, obviously, that's not a problem for us either. I believe the confidence that was gained by the San Francisco 49ers and the manner in which they played, the physicality in which they played against a really physical defensive line the Eagles have, I just look at what they're doing right now, Steve, and since they had that three-game loss, three-game losing streak, you know what ends up going and happening? They've gone 4-0 with a plus 85-point differential. This team is on fire, and this was a statement win.
3: Yeah, James, all you heard from Niners players after that game was bang, bang, Niner gang. We came up, came up to the link and handled business, and I also <laughs> think this was big. I mean, I, this was a huge game for the Niners, and we're going to talk to Stacey Dales about that a little bit later in the show, but I also think this was big for Brock Purdy. I mean, he said, okay, I don't really want to get nostalgic about going up there where I got hurt last season, but I think it was big for him because now he's continuing to play like the MVP Great point. we have been talking about. He has been all season long, for most of the season. He had such a fantastic game, spreading the ball all over the place to his playmakers. And they put so much stuff on film for everyone else to look at. I mean, they were spreading the ball all over the place. They were running the ball somewhat to some degree. But everyone also saw that Brock Purdy can make every throw that he had to make. But I also... Want to Continue the subject of throws you have to make. We cannot neglect what Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers did at Lambeau Field to Kansas City. I mean, this is, what, their third or fourth straight win. He has looked like a legit stud quarterback for a month. They kept Kansas City on the ropes, JP, for the majority of this game. And the fact that early in this game, Jordan Love showed that he trusted his offensive line and he trusted his receivers. Mm -hmm. You saw that throughout, especially with that Kristen Watson catch in the end zone where he went up like a superstar, made just a great play on that catch. That trust is huge. It is amazing to me now what we're seeing out of the Packers because there's nothing that tells me they cannot go on a run and be Mm. a dangerous, dangerous playoff team because they're peaking at the right time. Young players now are showing up. They've grown up together, James, and there's always that team Mm -hmm. every year that you don't want to play in mid to late December I think the Green Bay Packers are that team.
2: I think considering also when your coach hasn't lost a game in December as the yeah. head coach of your team and 16-0, and I think that helps you as well. But you're right. This three-game win streak that they're on, and they've beaten some teams during it, they had a 15% chance of making the postseason before this streak started. Right now, if you look at it, their chances of making the postseason are at 67%. Yeah. And then they finished the season, Steve. Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, Bears – They have a very realistic chance of being a playoff team now. And I love the way Jordan Love played. He was decisive. He was calm. He was composed, comfortable. And those are all things you do not hear when you're describing a quarterback going against Steve Spagnuolo and what he throws at you with all the blitzes and different things and looks that he can give you. I think that's a major part of this. But the flip side of it is the rest of the AFC should be thanking Jordan Love for what they went out and did in this game because the Chiefs took a hit in their chances of getting that number one overall seed they sit fourth heading into the monday night game and it looks like they might be playing patrick mahomes for the very first time a road playoff game is a possibility for the kansas city chiefs where they didn't target travis kelsey in the fourth quarter they couldn't get a drive when they needed one which is something that we've seen over the years they've struggled with penalties they had a few injuries this was not just a loss for the Chiefs, steve this was also a game that a lot of people are looking at going the penalties have continued a couple of major injuries are potentially there on the defensive side of the ball. This was a big, big win for the Packers, but also a big win for the rest of the AFC.
3: Yeah, 1,000%. And speaking about the AFC playoff picture, JP, that leads to our next bigger news. But before we get there, Mike Tomlin's got some few, a few choice words for us.
1: Oh, always. You know, that was a horrible day at the office. Um, we didn't do much right in that game, to be quite honest with you. So we got to own that, obviously, starting first and foremost with me. um, Just losing football um, really was, you know. um, We're highly penalized, some pre-snap penalties, some operational penalties, bad snaps, um, just JV football in a lot of ways. That's kept at 100. He kept it 100 right there, Mike Tomlin, after they got smashed by Arizona
3: in a game that took – 16 hours to play because of multiple weather delays. But, <laughs> yeah. JP, that leads or to Omar. a bigger – this leads to a bigger a bigger news. Bigger news. Cleveland lost. Pittsburgh lost. The Cincinnati Bengals have yet to play on Monday night. We record the show on Monday afternoon. And the Baltimore Ravens had a bye. Beginning of the season – or actually just a couple of weeks ago, we're talking about all four AFC North teams going to the postseason. But, JP, that's not looking likely. So, bigger news only one team from the AFC North makes the playoffs or three teams from the AFC South get into the postseason.
2: I'm going to say bigger news that there is a chance right now with what the Colts did and what the Texans did that three teams potentially from the AFC South could be in the playoffs. That is bigger news. This division has been a laughing stock for the last several seasons. I could go back maybe further than that in terms of it's really what do you think Steve respect around the league as a division top to bottom. But what I'm seeing from the three teams that could potentially be in, you know, Jacksonville sitting number one overall in that division. Then you have the Colts sitting second and you have the Texans sitting third. These three teams score points. And that has been an issue in the NFL this season. All three of these teams score points. They sit. Right now, Colts 8th, Texans ninth, and Jags 10th in terms of scoring in the NFL. When you look at the two teams trying to get in, behind the Ravens in the AFC North with the Browns and the Steelers, they're 18th and 28th in scoring. I just look at the Colts find a way to put points on the board. Shane Steichen's doing a brilliant job. They don't hurt themselves. They find ways to win. And then late in games, the Texans, yeah, they block two punts. They won a game with like 11 field goals over 50 yards once this year. So I also look at the Texans, the way they play late in games with CJ Stroud. Being at that game this past Sunday, we'll talk about it. They're never out of a game. And as aggressive as they are downfield, they find ways to do that. I think the Jags are that way, too, because they went on a run at the end of last year. They almost won in Arrowhead in the postseason. They can go on a run again. They have the talent to put points on the board. So that's why I think that is
3: bigger news because these teams score. Well, let's call up the AFC playoff picture. Let's look at the schedules of the four teams leading the divisions. I think the bigger news comes from the AFC North only having one team. Okay. okay. And, and we're seeing right now the Ravens, and they still have a murderer's row. They've got the Rams at Jacksonville. Yep. 49ers, Miami, and Pittsburgh. It's not easy for them, but they're still going to win their division because every other team in that division has got quarterback issues, and that's why those other teams are going to yep. drop out. JP, I'm going to say – and here, here's another reason why I think it's bigger news to AFC North. We're thinking about all of these quarterbacks, okay. and we're saying to ourselves, okay, if we had Joey Burrow healthy, if we had Deshaun Watson healthy, those teams are legitimate chances to win the AFC. Are you honestly telling me, yep. outside of Houston – the Gardner Minshew in those Colts that you talked about, or maybe even, maybe Jacksonville, but do any of these teams have a legitimate shot to knock off the Dolphins or the Ravens or the Chiefs? That's why I think those AFC North teams, they have quarterbacks healthy, they would have legitimate shots. I don't know if too many of these other teams in the South can. Also, by the way, JP, as we get ready to get out of this segment, the AFC Championship, It's going through Florida, baby. You saw those schedules there with the Jags and the Dolphins. It is going through either Miami or Jacksonville. You talk about Patrick Mahomes has never played a playoff game outside of Arrowhead. That is going to happen this year.
2: I'll say this real quick, Steve, when you bring up these uh, what-ifs. Guess what? Those guys aren't playing in this postseason. Joe Burrow's not playing in this postseason. Neither is Deshaun Watson. So, I mean, I would rather have Gardner Minshew – in the postseason, because I just love watching, you know, Minshew Mania. I was there when it started. I was covering the game when he came in for Nick Foles week one in Jacksonville that started all of Minshew Mania. I stayed for two weeks. That's how crazy it was. Have you and heard anyone talk about Minshew Mania
3: well. and, and with the Colts right now? Is anyone talking about Minshew oh, Mania oh, with on. the Colts right now, JP? I've got.
2: Listen, Shane Steichen brought him, brought, brought Minshew with him for a reason, and now he's paying off a little bit. I'd rather see before we finish this up, Gardner Minshew in the postseason than say Joe Flacco or whoever's maybe filling in for Kenny Pickett right now. I'm maybe seeing Minshew out there with that those flocks flowing, and you know, I mean, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind. mind. Hey, coming up to. Hey, listen, listen. Let's just move on from the the mediocre quarterback play to some real quarterback play, and that's two guys that were competing for the MVP this season, in our opinion. That's Brock Purdy, and that's Jalen Hurts, and this was one of the biggest games of the year. Stacey Dales was there. She's going to take us there next on the NFL Report.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.
1: I felt really good. You know, I think we started off a little bit slow, um, but I love the poise that we played with. The defense played really, really well. Kept giving us the ball back and uh, the O-line, everybody blocked up front so well all day. And, you know, it feels good to come come here and get a win.
4: I talked to some of your teammates this week and I was told we didn't talk about the NFC championship game that happened a season ago with this group. It didn't feel like that today. I mean, that was dominant. What, what conversations did you have about redemption?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it, you know those are those are all thoughts that might go through your head, but at the end of the day, in, in the NFL, it's it's a week to week. You know this is a completely new year. That's a really good football team, um, and, and they're going to continue to be a really good football team. So for us, it's it's just about you know living up to our
3: potential and what we know we can do. All right, that was NFL Network Stacy Dales with Niners running back Christian McCaffrey after the 49ers dragged the Eagles. James Palmer. We are now joined by Stacy Dales. And Stacy, this is why you're such a great there she reporter. Is. Because you were not buying the BS that he was telling you how they were not talking about this game <laughs> beforehand with all of the woofing. Yeah. How important was this game for the 49ers, Stace? Yeah, Debo oh, well, made it Well, it, it was
4: really great. <laughs> yeah, right? It was so interesting watching Debo run <laughs> off the field, by the way, and Brock Purdy. They were so pumped. I, I remember when Christian McCaffrey guys walked up to me I was I was caught up in the moment I started cussing to be honest with you and I go oh my god yeah. I'm so sorry and I pushed the yeah. microphone and he goes no it's he goes he goes no it's good it's good and you know he's so even keel on camera Christian McCaffrey is but what a performance six touchdowns in that game by the Niners George Kittle when we were in the scrum in the locker room James and Steve and it's great to be with you I uh, flew back this morning he said what a, a lethal stadium to play in at Lincoln Financial Field and that couldn't be more true How about the Niners coming in? They were the favorite, but they'd won three in a row. It's now four in a row and really a dominating performance on both sides of the football. But it meant something bigger. To your point, as you teed me up, Steve, listening to Christian McCaffrey kind of downplay it a little bit. These guys were on a mission. And and Debo didn't hold back, right? When he talked about calling Bradbury trash uh, after the NFC Championship game. Well, he didn't double down on that. Or excuse me, he doubled down on that in recent comments and backed it up with this performance. His first time ever with three scrimmage touchdowns in a football game, two of them through the air. But as an offense to 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 respond, especially after that sideline incident with with t- Big Dom and uh, Big Dom. you know Dom. Uh, right. yeah, Big Dom, Dom. We got to give a shout out. I don't know, Green, but yeah, with Greenlaw and Dom, it, for them to score on that. Immediate play thereafter offensively was substantial, and I just could go on and on, you guys. It was pretty awesome.
2: Stacey, so, so what I'm curious about is be you being at this game, and Steve, we've all covered this league for a long mm. time, all three of us. I feel like we are all been waiting for this type of rivalry, and I don't think we've had one for the last several years. Like The Chiefs really haven't had a rivalry. Nope. We haven't seen the teams at the top of this league have rivalries that are Bitter like this. Stacey, what was that environment like? Yeah. Specifically pregame and then the locker room afterwards when you're in there with San Francisco after they put on the butt whooping that they did.
4: Yeah, James, it was interesting that you bring that up because we were talking to Chardavius Ward at his locker and somebody asked him in the scrum, what has this rivalry become? And one of his teammates, I, I couldn't see who that was because we were all staring at Ward. It's like this ain't a rivalry, this ain't a rivalry, but it it is. It's becoming one because these are two dominant football it franchises. Is. Come on. Yes. And it 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 is. And before the game to your point James, you know when you stand in front of somebody on purpose like you just don't want them to get past you or you're like standing, waiting to get on an airplane. Yeah, and do it to Steve. Somebody's encroaching behind you, and you just kind of give them the the let this little block out. Well, that's what happened on the field before the game. The Eagles kind of taking taking their stance, if you will, and setting the stage. And the Niners didn't want any part of it. And what was really cool was we were we were talking to I mentioned Chardavis Ward. So he's in this Eagles green suit, stunning suit that he showed up in. Ooh. And I asked him in the scrum. I said you're wearing Eagles green. I have to imagine that's on purpose. And he goes, oh yeah. I said, wait a minute, you you did this on purpose. He said, yeah. "Yeah." I said, when did you get the suit? And he said, back in the off season, he purchased the suit. He had been saving it for this game. (laughs) And I think that is significant to personify James and Steve, to personify just how much blood, you know, kind of was in the water in this one and the preparation in the lead up to it.
3: And Stace, real quick, I mean, the, the Eagles, I think this was their third game in, in like just under two weeks. I mean, watching it on TV, it did look like they got worn down. Like fatigue finally took over this defense. I mean, mm-hmm. did you see? Now I'll, I'll say it like this. Did you see them get worn down maybe because of mm-hmm. that or just because the Niners put the steamroller into overdrive? Oh, great point. I
4: think it was both, Steve. Such a great point. Uh, you guys saw the Buffalo game that went into overtime. They had to score 23 points was last there? week to come back. Uh, in week 12, James was at the game. What was it, James? The, the defense was on the field for 92 defensive plays. That's crazy. Right? The Eagles defense. I think that was the number. So I just remember talking to Cam Jurgens this week ahead of this game. And he brought it up to me. He's like, this schedule we're amidst is crazy. I mean, when you go back a few weeks for these Eagles, Dallas, the Chiefs, the Bills, then it was the Niners. It's Dallas next week. And guess what? The Niners had 10 days since that Thanksgiving game. To rest up, not only rest up, yep. but be prepared. They were relatively healthy coming into that game, so th- it was both, Steve, to answer the question. But like I just marvel at what San Francisco did on both sides of the football. They not only went to their bread and butter and they ran the ball, starting with Christian McCaffrey, right, 146 rush yards. But defensively, they held uh, what was it, the Eagles to 46 rush yards. That is the worst yeah. in the Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni era. I just thought it was impressive all the way around. I talked to John Lynch in the locker room afterwards. He was beaming the general manager. He was absolutely beaming. Really proud of his defense specifically.
2: Yeah. I mean the Eagles average 133 yards a game on the ground this season. I mean, that just puts it into context, Stace. I won't do right. it uh because I know I'd lose, but I would fight you to cover this rematch uh that we're hoping happens. Yeah, in if, the the if the box are uh, out. the box are out like I, you so the would, Eagles are trying lose. to do. I'm not gonna I would not box Stacey Dales like out cover as the, the <laughs> tremendous basketball player she is. I'm not boxing Stacy out by any stretch.
4: Yeah, well, it wouldn't would it wouldn't <laughs> be a dream if I got to cover a game with the two of you guys. That would be a dream. Or we could just sit around a fire in our uh, Christmas winter sweaters and have a bourbon and
3: and That's you know, what's talk up.
4: amongst ourselves.
3: That's what's up. And you guys could holler at me on game day preview on yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah. All right, Stace, we love you, girl. Sounds Thanks good. so much. Nice plug, Steve. Love you, Stace.
4: Love you guys. Keep up the great work. See ya. All
3: right, JP, you are at this, te- this Texas-Broncos game as we're watching Will Anderson and the Houston Texans get all after Russell Wilson. It was a big win to keep the Texans in playoff contention and put the Broncos one step back. And here's James talking to Will Anderson after the game.
2: Will, I saw you after you guys get off the field. Pretty emotional on the sideline there. Run us through that stop, that interception, the end zone. And why are you? so emotional
1: on the sideline? Man, it's just the team, man. All the hard work we put in, man. The guys, been the training camp to now, man. man, we just proving everybody wrong, and we really don't have anything to prove nobody but ourselves. And that's one thing that we focus on all week is just us doing us better and us uh, coming out here and executing, and then just having um, uncontrollable (laughs) strain, man. That's what Coach talked about, man. I'm just so excited right now. I'm sorry. I love it. You have two sacks
2: today. You have four quarterback hits. You tip a ball that's intercepted. This Broncos offense has been so efficient, protecting the football. You forced those three interceptions. What did you guys do to force Russell Wilson in those situations?
1: Man, we was just rushing together, man. Everybody locked into their job, not getting distracted by nothing, running the game plan that we had in place. This week was a great group week of practice for us up front, man. And it was just everybody dialing in, man. It was really just all God. And I'll just say God did. That's it.
2: Last one is Derek Stingley has two picks for you guys. How big were those? I know the one by <laughs> the end zone's huge, but those two picks when they happened when Denver was driving.
1: Man, just it's so much momentum change. You know, Derrick Stingley practices his butt off every day. He practices those reps. So it's not surprising that you come out here and see it every day because that's what type of player he is, what type of guy he is, what type of teammate he is. And I can't say enough good things. I'm blessed for him to to be here, and I'm so happy for him. And he had a great game today. You guys have changed the culture in Houston. Enjoy it. Thank you. I appreciate you.
2: Steve, that was the other big game. And I was happy to be there at NRG Stadium and see C.J. Stroud in person because I think Stroud's performance this season has overshadowed what that guy right there has done in his rookie year. Which is crazy. Taking third overall, one pick behind C.J. Stroud, which is nuts. But, you know, getting a chance in the locker room to really see everything about C.J. Stroud, talk to the guys in that room, talking to Laramie Tunson, who's been on this show with us, and he just I said, man, your season's been out of this world so far. Another win. He's like, it's all because of this guy right here. Stroud's locker's right next to Tunsil's. He goes, it's all because of seven. And when I had a long conversation with Case Keenum, who was dressed like Rip from Yellowstone before he was heading out of the <laughs> locker room, he just said, he may be, Steve, he said, Stroud may be the best pure passer he has ever been around. He said it is remarkable that he sees wow. everything. The first two drives happened. He said he came off the field telling us the coverages that Denver was in before we had our meetings on the sideline. But the part that stands out the most, and it's not that he didn't have Dalton Schultz at a tight end spot that he loves to go to, it's not that he lost Tank Dell, and then he finds Nico Collins in this game without both of those guys for 191 yards. It's the fact that he had a conversation with Nico Collins in the locker room that I was maybe the only person that saw it. The back end of the room, as they're both getting ready to leave, he looks at Nico Collins and says, hey, it's your room now talking about that wide receiver room now that Tank Dell's down. He goes, "It's your room now. Take it over. Be a leader. I know you can play on the field. Now I need you off the field and in the room." If that doesn't show you what CJ Stroud brings to the quarterback position not just between the white lines, but everything he brings to the position that teams die for, that's an instance where you saw the leadership.
3: And JP, that doesn't work unless you're playing well. Right? There there are guys, there are mm-hmm. quarterbacks or players on losing teams or who aren't playing well. Who could say that, and dudes are like, man, what are you talking about? But because he's playing well, <laughs> yeah. it, it resonates. I mean, really, it has to hit. Bobby Slovak, the Texans offensive coordinator, when he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, talked about that leadership and how it really is contagious through that locker room because he's the one where it's, it's ground zero with him. But I also want to get to you. you mm-hmm. that interview you did with Will Anderson, fantastic. He showed out. Jonathan Grenard once yeah. again shows out, the other edge rusher. Nobody well, talks for, about him. He, he, mm-hmm. he He's played so well just want to ask you about the way that, that defense stood up because Denver was driving at the very end. I mean, Russell Wilson had them in position to win that ball game, and Grenard and Will, Will Anderson put him under a ton of pressure that led to that interception in the end zone to seal the deal. What about that side of the ball? Because the way they're winning games, whether it's offensive or defensive, to close things out, they're not surviving. They're not yep. just hanging on to win. They're making plays to close things out. Seeing the defense perform like that against a good opponent um, – James had to be something that makes you think like okay these guys are legit they are several years ahead of schedule
2: they really are I'm standing on the field right down there on that side while that stretch is happening at the end of the game and the get off and speed that both of those guys you mentioned have getting after Russell Wilson they impacted and altered plays extremely quickly but what really stands out to me is the way multiple defensive players, including Jonathan Granato, had a long conversation with in the locker room, were talking about Matt Burke, their defensive coordinator, and D'Amico Rides, and how prepared they have been. They told me, outside of the two shots that Russell Wilson took deep to start the game, there was nothing that surprised them that Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos did. They were prepared for all of it. And a lot of coaching, what happens during the week, Steve, prepares these guys that now they have some talent. And getting Jimmy Ward back on the back end he's the general as guys have told me running this entire defense he was out for about a month with a hamstring injury he knows D'Amico Ryan's defense maybe as well as Ryan's does and so I think having him back helps this group that closes things out Russell Wilson had four picks this season he had three in this game I think that shows you something about how prepared this group was for what they were going against
3: great great stuff JP I mean that's absolutely great stuff Hey, we come back, JP, after the break. It's time for Jeff Chidia's first read segment. And it wasn't what Jeff Chadia saw (laughs) in this game. It's the fact that he's been listening to me and JP when it comes to who the real MVP is. Coming up next on the NFL Report.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. We're back at the
3: NFL Report, and it is time for our fantastic Monday segment with Jeff Chidea. It is Jeff's first read segment. You can read the article on NFL.com slash first read. Jeff, I loved this week's column because you revisited the MVPs all the way through. And why don't you tell us who's number one? Because, frankly, it is difficult for anybody to argue with that at the moment. It is, it is. It's time for Dak Prescott to get
5: his flowers, and yeah. I know that everybody keeps waiting for the other shoe to drop with, with Dak. Everybody keeps waiting for the big picks to come, or the wilting in the big game moments, and you got to respect what he's done over the, over the last seven games. 21 touchdown passes, two interceptions. Josh Allen's not doing that. Lamar Jackson's not doing that. Patrick Mahomes is not doing that. He's playing better than any quarterback in the NFL, and we've seen what that's meant to this offense, to this team, and right now, with the Eagles coming in with a whole bunch of defensive problems the last couple of weeks, you have to wonder, is Dak Prescott going to finally get his MVP moment, his signature win in Ooh. this season? So I love what Dak is doing. He deserves to be on top right now. And if he keeps this rolling, he's going to get this
2: award. I'm not going to argue with you, Jeff, because uh, Steve and I had a conversation a few weeks ago who is not part of the conversation and will be part of the conversation at the end of the year, and my pick was Dak Prescott, so uh, I appreciate you putting him at number one, (laughs) but I am going to argue a little bit because this is the Brock Purdy show. This is the Brock Purdy show, and he is sitting there, I believe, at number two. Is he a two, Jeff? Brock Purdy two? He is all right. We'll take that right
3: now, JP. Oh, he has a two. So what I'm curious two.
2: Yeah, I think he is a deserving two. What I what I want to ask you is, he goes out and throws for what? 314 yards, four touchdowns, 148 quarterback rating. If that performance happens from Jalen Hurts, do you believe America <laughs> is saying Jalen Hurts is a clear-cut MVP? But since Purdy did it, they refuse to say it. That's exactly what
5: it is, James. And that's been his problem all throughout this season because people still act like he's... Mr. Irrelevant, seventh-round pick, stepping in for Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey yeah. Lance a year ago and trying to just hang on as best as he can, and he's really become a playmaker. And you look at I, – mm-hmm. I, when I talk about the MVP, you're talking about not just the stats and the highlight moments, but also the value. And we all know that this Niners team, if they had him last year when they went to the NFC Championship game in that same stadium, might have been a much different story. Might have been what we just saw on Sunday. So that's the, that's the value – that Brock Purdy means mm-hmm. to them. He, he's a point guard, but look, it's a quarterback award. He's playing on a team that everybody now believes is the best team in football, and the numbers are there. He played, played the Cowboys, the Jaguars, and the Eagles. Ten touchdown passes, zero interceptions. That's MVP-like.
3: Hey, hey, Jeff, a question on both of these, and, and we can we can differentiate. Too. Let's go back to Dak. Okay, first off, we're talking about this, with Mike McCarthy, I mean, people have been on him as like a boring play caller this and that. He is going for the jugular. I mean, does this change the narrative about McCarthy? And also, when it comes to Brock Purdy, do you think it is more so like you were just talking about him being Mr. Irrelevant or because he has so many guys he can flip into 10 yards down the field who make magic happen after the catch? Sorry to hit you with a double barrel, but... I want to chime in on that, too. I got you.
5: Yeah, yeah, I got you. As far as Dak, yeah, there were a lot of people who thought Mike McCarthy had lost his fastball. I give him credit because getting rid of Kellen Moore was a risky move. He's had success there with Dak. A lot of credit for what, Zach had, what Dak had become. But Mike McCarthy has matured over this season. You've seen some of the changes, whether it's more motion, more downfield shots, better red zone play call. What about the cadence? It, what about the cadence to here we go? Yeah, I mean, all that stuff. All that stuff. I mean, it's oh, just you, yeah. you realize that he's <laughs> – hey, he's had success with quarterbacks in this league. It's very high-level success. So he went back into his bag of tricks and he found a way to get Dak – to another level. And as far as as far as Brock goes with the supporting cast, I defy you to find any quarterback out there who's won this award in the last few years who didn't have a great supporting cast. Patrick Mahomes had Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid calling and plays. Aaron Rodgers had Devontae Adams, uh, Aaron, Aaron Jones. You've got people out there who've got great people. J- Jalen Hurts has had a, a great supporting cast around the last couple of years. Yeah. And so Brock Purdy should not be penalized. For that kind of, for that kind of Jeff, uh, privilege he's got.
3: Jeff, there it is. Drop the mic. End the show. That's <laughs> right. Exactly. There it is. A, but listen, I
2: I don't want to steal this stat. And I don't want to steal this because I was reading this this morning. Mike Sando had this on The Athletic that 48% of Brock Purdy's passing yards are yards after the catch. When Patrick Mahomes won his first MVP, 54% of the passing yards were yards after the catch. And that's exactly what you're saying, Jeff, is <laughs> – If you win this award, there's a lot of guys on your offense that are balling out, and there's a lot of talent a lot of times around you that that makes these things happen. And I want to mention the guy that Pat threw a lot of those passes to, and Tyreek Hill. And you mentioned Tyreek in this column, and and, and you mentioned where he's at and what he's doing. We all know that the stats are almost there in terms of that 2,000 yards. What my question is is, do you think it hurts his MVP candidacy and everybody's just making him a shoe-in for the Offensive Player of the Year because he really doesn't have any competition for Offensive Player of the Year. <laughs> yeah, not even close. <laughs> not even close.
5: Yeah, I mean, it's almost like people give out awards. I mean, he may not. Said, everybody gets a piece of cake, right? Everybody got a nice little chunk that they can hang on to and nibble on, and you're right. I think people yeah. assume that he's going to win that award and he can't be the MVP. But I I included him on this list because one he's got the numbers. I mean he's on a tremendous pace here to to smash that receiving record and become the first receiver with two thousand yards. But he's also the impact he's had on that franchise. That he showed up from day one. It's a quarterback like impact. The way he's impacted t- to a by mm-hmm. Loa. The way he's impacted what Mike McDaniel wants to do offensively. You know I've been I'm not a big hard knocks you know reality TV show person, but I've been watching the first couple episodes and just what it's been charisma. great charisma. Yeah, the, the impact he has when you watch him on that show, you realize he's the leader of that team. And, and so I've always yeah. been, you know, impressed with his, Great point. his physical ability and his numbers. But when you look at what he, how he leads and his maturity, uh, it's I mean, he's got to be in there just because of the impact he's had there. Most impact of a non-quarterback in the league.
3: Uh, you know, it's hard to argue that. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about AJ Brown, but the last couple of weeks, he's not had the impact that Tyreek Hill has. But what about? Tyree's quarterback. I mean, Tua Tunga-Vailoa, We know he put up the big fireworks early. He's putting them up again, Jeff. I mean, I, I, you know, you got him at number six on this list. Uh, as again, it's hard to argue with this list, but he's got to be in the mix. And you look at their schedule the right the rest Stroud. of the way too. You look, you look yeah. at his schedule the rest of the way. Baltimore, he's got Baltimore and Dallas to prove the big games against. Him. But Tua seems like he can very much walk away with this. When all is said and done, because, Jeff, I also said this, the AFC is either going through Miami or Jacksonville.
5: Yeah, yeah. And really, yeah, who gets the top seed is going to play a role in this. Um, who performs the best in these big platform games? You're right. It's kind of – it's nice to know that all these players we're talking about are going to be playing big games against one another down the stretch here. I believe Tua's got Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott the last three weeks of the season – Obviously, the Eagles have been playing big games. The, the Cowboys have big games. But two was a wild card here just because he's one of those players you mentioned. If, if they had given this award out after, after week three, he would have walked away with it. Like that's the kind of numbers he was putting up and the kind of things he was doing. And when you have an explosive offense and you can get those highlight reel moments, man, it, it really sways people's minds. It gets voters excited. And that's the thing that he's starting to do again. He's got a couple more winnable games here against bad teams. But if he can dominate Dallas, if he can dominate Baltimore, he can dominate Buffalo. Got a pretty good chance of winning this thing
3: too. Yeah, and two is number eight. I said he was number six. He is number eight. So now I am going to argue with it because he should be at least six, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you like everybody? Hey,
5: listen. hey, it hey, seems hey. like a I'm, parent. I'm not going to argue gonna with who's number good.
2: On oh, no, a number two, I'm is not going to argue with who's number six because Lamar is number six, and and he deserves to be right in this conversation as well. And. and Jeff, who's going down? What do you think's better? Now, Exactly. That's, this is my point. Yeah, what do I like you think's better for the league that, that we don't really know and the list is this deep? That's a or, great question. Because you mentioned the top of the column. We're not having that dominant season like we've seen from Aaron Rodgers of late and we've seen yep. from Patrick Mahomes of late. Mahomes is having a down year. Is they, what's your thought on what this means for the league? Is this make the league more competitive in people's eyes or do they want to see that dominant performance in a season?
5: Well, look, I I live in Kansas City. You guys know that. And I always hear people talk about Patrick Mahomes is the face of the league. And I've always said, as long as I follow Mm -hmm. this league, it's never been one face of the league. You know, there's always been multiple faces. And I think you want to have a league where you go into different markets and you have different stars that resonate with people. And so what you're seeing is a transition away from, there's a vacuum here with Tom Brady being gone and Peyton Manning being long gone, Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, all these big name guys. But now it's an opportunity. And so I think it is exciting to see all these young guys stepping up and showing themselves, improving themselves. You know, watching the uh, Packers-Chiefs game last night, I was telling people around here that don't sleep on the Packers because when you have a young team, just like with the Texans, you don't know when that confidence is going to kick in and when their star players are going to start realizing Mm -hmm. we are stars and we can do star-like things. And so I think what you're seeing is a lot of guys in this league starting to to recognize that, hey, why not me? Why can't I be the next great superstar who dominates this league?
2: I love that. I love it. I think that's fantastic. Because you do have the man down in Houston sitting at number four in C.J. Stroud. But Jeff says he cannot win the award. It just doesn't go to rookies. So he'll just have to settle for the runaway (laughs) uh, rookie of the year. I guess down there in Houston. Yeah. (laughs) Hey. He's been phenomenal, and he might be one of the new faces of the league. Jeff Chidia is a face of the NFL report. Let's just say that he's a face of the NFL report. Appreciate go. it, man. Uh, I, I it. you got a smile on your face, unlike uh, those guys in that ballroom when they found out that they were going to play Alabama. Uh,
3: they weren't smiling like, too much. What, oh, so wait, here we go. Day, guys, they dude. wanted to force. Here State. we yeah. go
5: let still worry about Merze. we about Steve with Tigers. We're about to talk about that. <laughs>
2: wow, well, we can't play offense with, a, with 10 guys, but we're going to try to do it in the bowl <laughs> game. That's Jeff Jadia. Read his first read column. And coming up on the NFL report, Bridget Condon joins us with the surging Rams. Not just are they playoff contenders, but if they get there, are they dangerous? Bridget's gonna tell us that next on the NFL report.
3: We are back at the NFL Report. Steve Weiss, James Palmer. We're about to be joined by Bridget Condon, but for those of you watching on the show, you are looking at Puka Nakua, who would be the Offensive Rookie of the Year if not for that guy. Second favorite player. Down in Houston. Second favorite player, Brock Purdy's first. And there's Puka scoring a touchdown, tossing <laughs> the ball to his girlfriend. She drops it the first time, but he gives her a second chance to recoup. And now he's a hero as kisses are being blown. All right, Bridget Condon, you were at this game with me when the Los Angeles Rams knocked off the Cleveland Browns. And there's a social uh, clip from Puka is dead. We don't know if that's a friend or whatever, <laughs> but Sean McVay said he thought Puka was dead after he got hurt in that game. But Bridget, you were at that game with me as the Rams improved to 6-6 six and six after beating the Cleveland Browns. And what we saw out of this Rams team, to me, looked like they are – a legitimate playoff team. They, they put themselves squarely in the mix to get in. Green Bay winning did not help them. But they not only look like a team that can get in, but because of Matthew Stafford, and maybe some other things that you found out in the locker room, they've got a chance to be dangerous in the postseason.
6: Here come the Rams, Steve and James at six and six. I mean, you talk about the Rams and Chargers. We talk about them so often in L.A. I don't think that any of us would have predicted that this was the L.A. team we'd be talking about right now as a potential playoff contender. So it's very interesting. I remember I was just watching a clip from Total Access this summer and we were talking about the Rams rebuilding. And I made a point. You can't really say they're rebuilding when you have Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford on the team, right? They were reloading. And that's exactly what they've been doing this season remember how bad it was for Sean McVay towards the end of last season around like week 12 or so yep. when no Aaron Donald no Cooper Cup no Matthew Stafford he was going through it and we all were wondering okay Sean McVay and this Rams team less need, they throw all their eggs into one basket they get the Super Bowl but where are they now like F them picks well they they needed some picks but without the picks without the money here they are making a way and uh, talking to guys in the locker room. Yesterday, I was asking about one specific thing, and that was Sean McVay. And they all said the same thing: this guy has done such an incredible job at adapting and getting multiple people involved. Who was talking about Puka Nakua six months ago? I wasn't. I don't know if you guys were. Maybe DJ was, but that's about it, right? That's like right, they have the made these family. guys. Uh, yeah, they have made these guys into stars, and they've worked with what they have on their team, and it's honestly incredible what they've been able to do and they didn't just beat any old team the Browns defense is very good yes Joe Flacco is their four starting quarterback of the season but he didn't have a bad game they went out here and they won they weren't just playing to to not lose if that makes sense and and so many people are saying it's because Sean McVay has the belief in them. Like he, he went all the way back and said, all right, we're going to, we're going to hit the fundamentals during training camp and we're going to really start it from day one. It's been a slow build, but they're peaking at that right moment. We're talking about December football and you've won three straight games after your bye week. This is the best position the Rams could be in, in my opinion.
2: I, I will say I saw Puka Nakua just crush it in joint practices against the Broncos for two days. You I was sitting there with it. my like, you roster. You were telling me
6: about him. I was you're
2: sitting true. there with my roster and like You're like, how do I say his last name? <laughs> who is this guy? And I'm like, who like what's happening? Because Cooper Cup was on a side field dealing with the hamstring, and he was working it against like Pat Sertan, like one-on-one drills. And Pat told me afterwards, he's like, Man, he can play. Like I remember this. But it was also, you're right, Bridget, that was a time where there were so many pieces right? That they were plugging in at guys that have played positions. They haven't played really at the NFL level. And they're going, well, no, he's going to play here. We're going to put this here. I don't know if we're going to be any good. We got all this dead money. What's happening? And now they've built it and they've put it together. But I do think what happened on Sunday is kind of a, an example of what has been built, right? Puka Nakua. We're talking about Puka is dead. That's what Sean McVay <laughs> saying. The toughness that he came back And fought through and came back on the field is a big part of where this team is at right now. You saw them load the box consistently against Matthew Mm. Stafford because why? He's still battling through that thumb injury, forcing him to throw the football. We know Stafford's one of the toughest guys in this league, right, Steve? I think these are two examples of where this team is right now in terms of a team that is fighting and a team that wants to fight. So if they keep fighting, Bridget, and they get into the postseason – Can this team make some damage in the NFC? Because all we ever talk about really are two and a half teams. The Niners, the Eagles, and half the time, the Lions. Could they make damage in the postseason?
6: Well, Steve, we were talking about it. Say Matthew Stafford gets paired up, you know, this Rams team gets paired up with the the Lions. He's going back to Detroit and playing. Yep. That is a very <laughs> interesting matchup to me. One thing, and you made this point yesterday, Steve, they have Matthew Stafford at quarterback. We're talking about so many teams with backup quarterbacks and injured and, you know, Joe Flacco's back. But yeah, where has he been the past couple of years? Matthew Stafford knows what it takes to win a Super Bowl. He did it. He knows what it takes to be successful in this league. And that is the guy That is even Pukunakua says it, you know, yesterday he broke, uh, broke all these records, set the new Rams franchise record for single season receiving yards. And when asked about it, he's like nine knows exactly where to put the ball. He knows exactly how to help me understand defenses. And he's really putting Aaron Donald too, but like Matthew Stafford is putting this team on his back and is like, guys, we're going like, I'm not, I'm not ready to retire yet. Like I still have some winning left in me and with him as their starting quarterback I think he can take them far it's just going to be interesting you know they always play the Niners weird you know if the Seahawks make it in I don't think you know we're in a position where the Rams and Seahawks both make it in maybe they do I don't know but there are potential opportunities for this team to yeah not only make it to the playoffs but get past that first round yeah, they don't play the Niners
3: weird. They um they lose to the Niners, unfortunately. For the Rams. <laughs> I, I
6: was trying to say it in a nice way, Steve. <laughs> but, here's, but
3: here's here's something I want to say. You know, I I've covered the Rams very closely since they moved back to Los Angeles, and the one thing through two head coaches that has been problematic for this team in December football is toughness. They were a finesse team. They were built like a dome yeah. team, and teams would come in here and strong arm them. What we are seeing out of this version of the Rams is toughness. Their rookie running back, Kyron mm-hmm. Williams. Nobody wants any action of him. Yesterday, that offensive line kept Matthew Stafford clean against Miles Garrett. Incederius was sacked. It mm-hmm. was not sacked. So so we're seeing a different type of Rams team. The thing that the Rams have to battle through is getting to the playoffs, right? They've got the Ravens next week. It's yeah. going to be a challenge. They started out they they had a couple patches. But Bridget, one thing also I want to get to. You mentioned Aaron Donald. He is not getting the sacks that he's had. We are watching him set the table for a defense that has played very well under Raheem Morris, who I think is going to get some head coaching opportunities after season as well. If they continue playing the way they're playing.
6: He should. And I think we are not hearing the stats from Aaron Donald as much as, you know, like a Khalil Mack or something like that. Not those splashy plays because he's getting triple teamed basically on every single play, but what he's doing for those rookies and those young guys on defense almost means more than the stats on the paper, right? And like the way he's bringing those guys along, I think speaks so much more to maybe what we're talking about, right? Because years past, it's Aaron Donald this, or it's this splash play, or he's getting out for the quarterback and maybe not putting up those same numbers this season, but his impact is still very heavily being felt.
3: Yeah, he's still so highly disruptive. I mean, he just he's just so good. Bridget, it's going to be uh, an interesting run. We thank you so much for joining us. Love having you on. The NFL Report, and JP. Thank you, guys. You got it. CJ Stroud, when we come back. Thanks, Bridget. Yeah, we're going to talk about your guy again because we can't talk about CJ enough because he is doing it and doing it. He's upset. And doing it well. Uh Uh-oh. Now that's a tease. I can't wait. Come back to the NFL Report. CJ Stroud's upset.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring –
3: All right, we're back to wrap up the NFL Report. And, JP, as we do on Mondays, we like to bring attention to things that happened on Sunday or maybe, in this case, happen Monday morning in response to something that happened on Sunday. Okay, as we saw the Miami Dolphins beat the brakes off the Washington Commanders, a very good reporter in Washington named Grant Paulson tweeted I'm reading his tweet. This is one of the coolest plays I've seen live. I cannot stress how bad this throw was and how this how amazing this play by Tyreek Hill is. He's got fuller beat so badly, he just flips his hips and goes and gets the ball over the wrong shoulder. To which the cheetah retweets and says, bad there take, bad take. I ran my route wrong. Tua threw that ball exactly oh. where I was supposed to be. And he noticed my angle and put enough air, air time on it just to give me time to adjust a happy thankful tears emoji so this was the play that made it 24 to 7 in the second quarter where Tyreek Hill was running down the left kind of sideline between the hash in the sideline and it almost looked like a fade we had to carry it over takes it in 24 to 7 i want to recognize it because players we appreciate this sometimes us reporters who think we're smarter than we are make wrong assumptions and that's what happened here And he said, bad take, but instead of just criticizing the report for being an idiot, the cheetah, going back to the maturity we were talking about earlier in the show, said, I ran the wrong route, so he took blame for it, and Tua did me a solid. So I really want to pay respect to the cheetah, uh, and hopefully this makes the NTs and hard knocks, because that's absolutely outstanding, by the way.
2: Yeah, I love it, and we'll get in-depth on it at some point, but I do love how he was able to adjust – Track that football. He's maybe one of the best trackers of a ball in the air we have in the NFL. And that dates back to a specific game that he used to play as a child that Tyreek Hill told me once, Steve. He said, the reason I can track a ball in the air so well, he told me this years ago, is because I used to be a pitcher during kickball and I'd roll it in. And then I'd backpedal out, and I would try to make the play anywhere on the field. And he would just track the kickball everywhere. And no lie, he says that's why he's great at tracking a football through the air as well. My lost headline is the game that I was at down in Houston, which was phenomenal, and came down to the final play of the game where Jimmy Ward picks off Russell Wilson in the end zone. I'm on the field, Steve. It's loud, but it could have been louder. Throughout that game, up in the press box at Energy Stadium, which is some, I don't know, in the sky somewhere, about 70,000 feet above the earth, I'm looking down at countless empty seats Uh and a boatload of orange jerseys. Uh Speaking to people within the Texans organization while I was there throughout the pregame, postgame, they are not happy, specifically their quarterback, who's been very diplomatic about it, with the attendance of the Houston Texans I guess I could say faithful or maybe unfaithful. I can say that I covered this team for two years living in Houston. Houston fans can be fickle. They are notorious for being late, whether it's the Astros or the Rockets or the Texans. But everything you have been through, you now have one of the greatest people that have ever been a part of your organization and D'Amico Ryan's running the show Co see him and one of the best passing attacks in all of football with CJ Stroud. I'm done, Steve, but you got to go watch these guys play.
3: Let's do the podcast.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses.